Welcome back to the Foul Balls podcast for NFL Week 16. Just two weeks left and arguably really only one week left for DFS because I really play NFL Week 17 just because it gets crazy with injuries and like weird players playing. We're going to have potentially like five min-price running backs that could be starting. So this could end up being the last week I play, but who knows? Maybe Week 17 will end up being a not crazy week and will be playable, but for this week, we have 12 games on the main slate. All the bye weeks are over, and there's a couple pretty good spots. So jump in. We have first game, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Carolina Panthers. Uh, I think that there is there could be some value on Tampa Bay, the running back position. Doug Martin is, got suspended last week. Peyton Barber's actually been much better this year, started in his place. I, I think that the question here, though, is, is Doug Martin going to play this week? And then... As good as the Panthers are, is Peyton Barber cheap enough that would you consider using him, Matt? I would consider it, but it is a tough matchup. And I don't know. I think we're going to get to cheaper running backs that are actually in better spots, even if Martin doesn't play. But I think Barber would be on the table. It does seem like he's getting virtually every snap uh, when Martin's not playing. So he's worth considering. I, I don't know if it's the best spot for him. And he has been priced up a little bit. Yeah, I definitely think that the better plays in this game come from the Panther side. A really favorable matchup for Cam Newton. The Buccaneers are, uh, they were, I think, 31st in past DVOA. Um, have they gotten better since then? My tab just closed really quick. Uh, I think that is still what they are. Uh, they're at 29th now. By the way, the re- my tab didn't really, act- didn't really just close really quick. I went to click on it and actually hit the X instead of the... Instead you of the tab the itself. So, yeah, they're 31st in DVOA, 29th against the pass. So I think this is a good spot for Cam Newton. I think it's a decent spot for Christian McCaffrey also because he was really involved in the pass offense last week. And the other guy also, Greg Olson at 5,200. I mean, he's been one of the best tight ends in football for a while, and then he's just dealt with the broken foot all season. Last week was really the first week that we saw him full go and uh, 12 targets, nine catches, 116 yards. We know that he's been Cam Newton's favorite receiver to target in the past. So I think that once again, Greg Olson, solid tight end play. Are you going to go back to him, Matt? Yeah, I think the Panthers are in a really good spot. They could be kind of high owned because they did well last week and it is an easy matchup, but there are 12 games here. So we don't have to worry about ownership too much. I think the Panthers are good plays, all the guys you mentioned. Uh, But I also think the Bucks guys are good plays. Mike Evans is priced down to 6400 now, and Cameron Braid is at 3300 He's dealing with a hip injury, though, so we obviously need to monitor if he's playing or not if you want to go there. But I think Jameis Winston with Mike Evans or just using Evans in a Panther stack for full-game correlation, I think that makes sense. Uh, Winston's at 5700 And like we've talked about the last few weeks, the Panthers are really good against the pass. They're seventh in pass defense DVOA, but they're only about 15th to 20th against wide receivers depending on which receivers you look at. They're actually a lot better against tight ends, but their cornerbacks uh, covering wide receivers don't do as well. Part of the reason we were on the Packers last week, the Vikings the week before, uh, the Panthers do give up most of the passing yardage to uh, to those receivers. And then just based on game flow, the Panthers are likely to be winning here. The Bucks should have extra opportunities to throw, so it could open up more targets for Mike Evans and then maybe Cameron Braid or, I don't know, maybe even Deshaun Jackson or Adam Humphreys. Yeah, and a little encouraging that Mike Evans had one of his better games of the season last week. Uh, Eight targets, finished with 79 yards and a touchdown, caught five passes, and then actually had 
a really deep, I think it was like a 50-yard touchdown pass that got called back for an offensive pass interference, but it was kind of a questionable call. So to see Mike Evans play well, I think is definitely encouraging going into what's a better matchup than what people think. And then also one of the other reasons that his production has been as great this year is that Jameis Winston has been hurt and missed games and Ryan Fitzpatrick started. And then we've also had Winston play through games with injury, which I think limited his just overall ability to throw the football because it's an injury to his passing shoulder. Uh, so I, I do agree. I think that Mike Evans at 6,400, that's a pretty decent play with upside. Uh, next game on the slate, the Cleveland Browns at the Chicago Bears. It's really hard for me to find much interest in this game. What is the Vegas info for it, Matt? It looks like there's a little bit of sharp money on the Browns, which is literally just always the case. And I guess the Sharps have been getting crushed by them because the Browns have looked good, actually, in the first half of most of their recent games, but then for whatever reason just implode in the second half, I guess mostly because they don't have good players. But they do have two really good wide receivers. Uh, Josh Gordon's priced at 6300 and Corey Coleman is down at 4000 Oh, and I just realized I actually didn't mention what the line is. The Browns are uh, six and a half point underdogs after opening at seven. The total for the game is 38 and a half. Uh, very low total. I think it's the lowest on the slate. So not a lot of expected output for offenses, but I still think people will use Josh Gordon because for whatever reason, people just like that guy. Uh, if I'm going to use a receiver from the Browns, like last week, I think the guy to use is Corey Coleman. But overall, it's a pretty uninteresting game. Uh, just checking Giovanni Bernard's price because Joe Mixon... I think oh you know what? that was wrong, last wrong, wrong that was team. last week who the the Bears played awesome. the Bengals. Yep, yes. that is the wrong team. Okay. Well, we can disregard that. Yeah, I think just sticking with possibly Corey Coleman, but I don't really like anyone else from this game. Yeah, I I don't think I'm going to be rostering anybody here. So, we'll move on to the Cincinnati Bengals next game. Got a little ahead of myself. The Cincinnati Bengals. So, good good continuity here. <laughs> uh, so for the Bengals, Joe Mixon is questionable with the concussion. He hasn't been able to play. Giovanni Bernard is at 5,000. So I think if Mixon's going to be out, that he's a decent play. How does game flow set up for this game for the Bengals? What is the what is the spread? The Bengals are actually four and a half point underdogs at home against the Lions, which seems really weird. Uh, by DVOA, I think the Bengals are now a worse team than the Lions, but for most of the year, they were a better team. These teams are probably closer than people realize. I think as a four-and-a-half-point home underdog, there actually is some value just on the spread there. I think the public is too heavy on the Lions side. It could lead to maybe some excessive ownership on the Lions. But uh, at a 43-and-a-half total, I think there is some decent expected output for both sides. And I guess the bottom line is I'm not, I'm not looking at a blowout here. I think that you could argue that both offenses could do well. Uh, Bernard... Like we mentioned, uh, he's at 5000 and Stafford and Dalton. Well, Dalton especially is really cheap at 4800 I think that would be a pretty contrarian pick. And then A.J. Green at 6700 uh, just pulling up his prices, but I think that's the cheapest he's been all year. Uh, he was 6500 last week, but that was a road matchup against the Vikings, and this is a much easier matchup at home against Detroit. And Green was priced in the mid-7,000s. He actually was over 8000 a few times. So I think A.J. Green is usable. I think you could actually game stack here because the Bengals are cheap and it's just a pretty good spot for the Lions. Yeah, I think a lot of people will look at the Bengals' defense as a whole and just assume that it's a decent defense because they're 18th in DVOA, 18th against the pass, 20th against the rush. 
but something that we brought up a few weeks in a row is that the Bengals were, I think, as high as a top five defense earlier in the season, and they just keep dropping. They've uh, they've had a ton of injuries, um, and it's just not nearly the same defense they were earlier in the year. And, it, and it's also just worse play, which is some injuries and then some also coaching-related things. Marvin Lewis uh, resigning, which is kind of a weird situation where the coach just kind of quits in the middle of the season but still is coaching out the games. I would think that probably has some sort of impact on the team. If you want to look into a narrative, uh, like it can't help them to have your coach quit midway through the season. And then also I wonder, like, how much effort is he putting into game planning and trying to get the team prepped when he knows he's not coming back? So I, I think there's plenty of reasons to pick the Lions offense in this game. Uh, let's see, what are the receiver prices? Uh, Golden Tate and Marvin Jones, what are their target shares look like recently uh so golden tate five four eight nine seven uh or was that marvin oh that was that was where marvin jones targets and then golden tate it's been five nine ten they've been really similar so i think either one of them are usable with stafford it's really hard to differentiate between the two and then yeah giovanni bernard i think is in play also if if uh joe mixon can't play yeah i'm more so, inclined to use the Bengals side of the game more uh, just because of prices, I think it does make sense to game stack and use either Jones or Tate with the combination of Dalton and Green and maybe even Bernard because Dalton and Green are priced at 4800 and 6700 Stafford's two receivers that have to compete for targets are both over 6000 also, and Stafford is at 6200 So just for pricing, I think the Bengals are in a better spot, but both spots for sure uh, definitely work. No, I would, uh, I would agree with that. Next game on the slate... We have the Miami Dolphins at the Kansas City Chiefs. And look at that. All of a sudden, Kareem Hunt all the way back up to 8,400, one of the most expensive players in DFS, as he was early in the year. And nobody was on him just a couple of weeks ago. I wonder if his ownership will go all the way back up. Is there any sort of indication of sharp action on this game, Matt? There isn't really. I think the line is fair. So the Chiefs open at minus 10. They're minus 10.5 now. A little bit of public bias there. Uh, the total actually has dropped from 45 to 43 and a half. So maybe the public is a little too heavy on the over and the Sharps are kind of on the under. Um, not sure why that would be the case. I know the Chiefs offense has struggled in recent weeks and they did put up a lot of points against the Chargers last week. But some of that was just based on really good field position because Phillip Rivers kept turning the ball over and the Chargers just played really bad offensively. So I don't know if I'm buying the Chiefs offense is back, quote unquote but they've benefited for sure from some pretty easy matchups in recent weeks. And I guess this is one of them also. So I like the expected output for Kareem Hunt, but at 8,400, I'm not sure if it's worth going there again. I think I've actually used Kareem Hunt something like six or seven weeks in a row, but this could be the one where it doesn't make as much sense to use him because his price and his ownership are both way up now. All right. So a play that I think makes sense is a safe play from this game, just based on what the spread is. Jarvis Landry is priced at 6300 and I know that Jay Cutler isn't good, except the Dolphins are going to be playing from behind in this game, and Cutler throws to Landry a ton. So if you look at Landry's targets recently, 13, 8, 6, 9, 11, 10, 7, 12, 11, like he's averaging about 10 targets per game. And then his fantasy production, he's, because of how many catches he gets with the PPR bonus, he's right around like 15 to 25 fantasy points pretty much every single week. He also has gotten a ton of looks in the red zone this year, so he's eight touchdowns. I think Jarvis Landry is a pretty safe wide receiver play. 
Well, the Chiefs' pass defense DVOA is actually back up to 17th now. They were much worse than that for a while, and they played a little better recently. But they're 31st covering number one receivers. So I guess what we'd have to kind of figure out is how much of a number one receiver is Jarvis Landry, because it's clear that he is the Dolphins' go-to option. But he also plays in the slot. He moves around a lot. So does he function as a number one where he'll take advantage of the Chiefs' weakness against number one receivers? Yeah, it's hard to say. Um, I mean, the other guys we look at is Devontae Parker and Kenny Stills, but neither one of them have really seen consistent targets. Uh, although Parker did have 12 targets last week. Let's see, what's Kenny Stills, his targets? He did have a 13-target game. I'd probably be more inclined to use Parker, but still, I, th- I think that Landry, just based on volume, because we know that Cutler's going to throw him the ball, I don't think Landry has a single game with less than seven targets this year. So for that reason, I think that he's a safe play, especially for cash games. Yeah, I think he's a safe play too. I definitely would rather use Mike Evans and A.J. Green for upside, but for security, for targets, probably for more receptions, I think Landry is the safer play. Yeah, so for cash, I think I agree with you. All right, next game, the Buffalo Bills at the New England Patriots. Uh, The Patriots have clinched the division now they are in the hunt for the number one overall seed i believe um is that correct is that what they're playing for now i think so i don't know if they yeah now that they've won i think since they beat the steelers they now uh need to just they win out and they lock it up they might be able to do it anyway i forget exactly what the scenario is Okay. But importantly, the Patriots do have something to play for this week, so it's not going to be a situation where like they pull Brady at halftime. Uh, the Buffalo Bills' run defense has been terrible since they got rid of Marcel Darius, but there's still generally the question of who's going to play at running back. But what makes that a little bit easier this week is that Rex Burke had a knee injury last week and is doubtful to play. I think he's expected to miss the rest of the season. So Deion Lewis at 6,000 I think is a pretty decent running back play because we have a better idea of where the carries are going to be going in the Patriots offense than usual. And then from the wide receivers, Chris Hogan had to miss last week. He's questionable. If he can't play, Brandon Cooks sees a lot more targets. And then Gronk is always fine to pay up for a tight end if you have the extra, if you have the extra salary space. From the Bills' side of the game, I think Tyrod Taylor's fine just because there's going to be garbage time where he's probably going to be playing against a weak prevent defense and just kind of racking up some garbage stats. Uh, there's going to be a lot of dump-offs to list Sean McCoy at 7,800, so he's okay. And then as for receivers, it's really hard to find any of them to like from Buffalo, but Tyrod Taylor does tend to target Charles Clay a lot, so I think he makes sense as a cheap tight end. Yeah, I like Taylor, Clay, and McCoy from the Bills' side. I think you can use Zay Jones, too. Maybe Kelvin Benjamin if he's playing. I think he's questionable, and they really don't know if he's going to play this week or not. Um, This should be a pretty high-scoring game. It has a 47 total, and it kind of seems like the sharp money is on the over. For whatever reason, the public just doesn't expect a lot of points here. The public betting is split about 50-50. The Patriots' offense hasn't looked great the last two weeks. Um, one of them was a hard matchup against the Steelers, but the other one was a pretty easy matchup on the road against the Dolphins. In that matchup, though, Rob Gronkowski didn't play. So I think we can kind of look past the last two Patriots weeks and just say that they had bad circumstances with their most important player outside of Tom Brady not being there and then a bad matchup. And this week, they're fully healthy and in a good matchup. So yeah, I think Deion Lewis without Burkhead there, that makes a lot of sense. He's a little pricey, 
Um, I think he's usable, but I don't think there's a ton of value there. But yeah, Gronk is safe for sure, unless you're worried about the injury risk. But if he plays the whole game, 7,400, he should do well at that price. Uh, we didn't mention Travis Kelsey in the last game. I think they're kind of similar plays this week, but I'd probably prefer Gronk because I think there's more game stack potential here. And uh, receiver, yeah, Brandon Cooks without Chris Hogan. He's only at 7,000. So again, I'll say I still like Mike Evans and A.J. Green more, but I think Cooks is usable also. Okay, moving forward, the next game we have the Atlanta Haw- the Atlanta Hawks, the Atlanta Falcons at the New Orleans Saints. Uh, from the Falcons side of the game, the most important injury news is Tevin Coleman is questionable to play with a concussion. He was limited in practice on Wednesday, so we have to see if he makes it through concussion protocol. If he can't go, then Devontae Freeman at sixty five hundred is probably going to be one of the chalkiest players on the slate, but for really good reason. It's a plus matchup against the Saints who have a much worse run defense than they have pass defense. And Freeman last week, 22 carries for 126 yards with a touchdown, then another 68 receiving yards. So if Coleman isn't able to play, it's just going to be a ton of work for Freeman in a favorable matchup. And then he's probably going to rack up a lot of easy stats towards the end of the game because I figure the Saints to be winning late. The Saints aren't huge favorites. Uh, they're actually, the line is minus six. So yeah, it is more likely than not that the Falcons are losing in the fourth quarter. Um, there's a ton of sharp money in this game on the under. The total opened at 53.5. It's down to 52.5, despite the public pretty heavily betting the over. And I think it's a downgrade to everyone in the game based on what the public thinks, just looking at the Vegas info. But I still like Devontae Freeman anyway if Tevin Coleman doesn't play because his price is just too low for someone who's as good as he is and is going to be getting all the carries. Um, I guess an up-tempo game that should be reasonably close. And the Saints are a lot worse against the run. So I'll use Devontae Freeman in this game, assuming Coleman's out. But I think it's kind of just a game to stay away from other than that. The prices on Alvin Kamara and Mark Ingram are still really high. They're both over 8000 And most weeks they do produce, with the exception of the last time the Saints and Falcons played each other where Kamara got injured. But again, it's just, there's going to be a week where they just don't have a long touchdown at the end of the game, which seems to happen every week. And when that happens, they could both put up duds at the same time. They're they're literally splitting carries and they're still the third and fourth most expensive running backs. Um, So I don't know. I might fade Freeman anyway because he should be one of the higher owned, if not the highest owned running backs. And then everyone else I think is just overpriced and will probably be overowned also. Yeah, I'm just wondering, let me look at the Saints passing game. I think like, what it, what are the Falcons against against the pass in DVOA? Well, Michael Thomas Atlanta. is up to 7,600, I think, is the biggest problem there because we've already mentioned five or six wide receivers that are cheaper than that that I think are better plays. And yeah, the Falcons are 19th in pass defense DVOA, so it's not like it's the greatest matchup in the world there. Uh, the, the matchup that favors New Orleans the most is the Saints running game. It's just the pricing there, I think, makes them not quite usable. Yeah, I mean, I think it's probably fairly likely that Ingram or Kamara have a big game. It's just hard to know which one. And neither one of them getting a ton of carries recently just because of the work they're splitting. And like you said, it's just every week one of them uh, or both of them break off huge plays. I understand they're both really good. It's it's just who who is it going to be? And I think that there's other guys who have more work this week that I prefer like LaShawn McCoy and then Ezekiel Elliott, who we'll talk about later. 
Yeah, definitely. So, yeah, that we'll we'll just get to them when we get there because there are definitely some expensive running backs who don't have to split carries with someone else on their team who is also expensive. Okay, so Chargers at Jets. Uh, we can make this one quick. No interest in the Jets offense. The Chargers defense makes some sense, and then also for the Chargers, Hunter Henry's out for the season with a lacerated kidney. You have to get. I, I don't know what that feels like. You have to get tackled really hard to cut your kidney. Uh, but that means Antonio Gates probably starts at tight end to 2,500, and he should get a decent amount of targets. We know that he has rapport with Philip Rivers. Philip Rivers is comfortable with him. Uh, Gates actually caught a touchdown pass after Hunter Henry got hurt last week. So Antonio Gates at 2,500 I think is a pretty good value play. Yeah, I think he is too. Uh, I think Keenan Allen's usable. Um, he is pretty expensive, and I probably would prefer to go cheaper than 7,700 for the top-priced receiver. Uh, the Chargers are only 29th in run defense DVOA, and the Jets' backfield is incredibly cheap. Um, Matt Forte is questionable. He sat out practice on Wednesday. I think if he doesn't play, then Bilal Powell makes for a really strong play. Uh, he probably wouldn't even be that high-owned because the Jets are 6.5-point underdogs, and I think the public just doesn't like taking running backs that are underdogs. Uh, the game flow doesn't usually favor them. But if Forte sits, and then Elijah McGuire, I think, also is dealing with an injury. He uh, also missed practice on Wednesday. and he, he was just sick, though, so I think he'll fly. But if the Jets only have Powell and McGuire available, Powell probably ends up with almost all... I mean, they would probably split to some degree, but Powell should get most of the carries in that situation. He should just be well, on the saw, field. We saw this recently. Where Powell and McGuire were the only two active running backs? Yes. Uh, it was the game, uh, which game was it? It was the game against the Bucks. Yeah, and Powell just Powell didn't play like, well, but he got the snaps. Uh, they sort of split carries. I think Powell maybe played 60 or something percent. Just the Jets' running game was terrible in that game. Yeah, let's see. So that game, Powell had 10 carries and McGuire had 8. So I think it would be hard to say that one of them has the lion's share of the touches, but I would say that they'd both be okay value plays if Matt Forte isn't able to play. Yeah, it's just, it's it's a good matchup. I mean, most people wouldn't look at playing the Chargers as a good matchup for an offense, but at least for running backs, it's a good matchup. So maybe because there are two of them there still, it's not the it's not an ideal situation. I think there is still value there also. All right, next game is the Rams at the Titans. Uh, one play that I think is make... Well, the, the play that I think makes the most sense is probably going light on exposure to the Rams because they're ridiculously expensive, and it is a plus matchup, except they're really overpriced, and they had a huge game last week. So I, I think that their, up, their upside probably isn't going to match what's reflected in the ownership. Uh, the one guy that I do think makes some sense from the Rams side of the game is Robert Woods at 6,500. Even in a game last week that just had terrible weather, there was 30 mile per hour wins for the Rams-Seahawks game last week. Robert Woods still had six catches for 45 yards. He is the top receiver on the Rams, and I think that he's a fine play in a plus matchup. And then I'm probably going to avoid the Titan side of the game. Yeah, there's actually a lot of sharp money for this game against the Rams. They've moved from minus seven and a half, seven or so, down to six and a half, and the totals dropped from 49 to 47 and a half already. The public is on the Rams, obviously. Uh, the public betting on the total is actually kind of split, but the Sharps are certainly on the under here. 
Um, so I think the ownership will definitely be very high on the Rams side. Maybe not so much for Robert Woods because he's kind of expensive, but that also would just have me off him a little bit. I think he's usable, but without using any of Jared Goff, I'll at most be light on Robert Wood, Woods because I think Goff isn't really usable. I think Gurley is going to be insanely high-owned, and it's not it's not the greatest matchup. The Titans' defense is below average, but they're not awful, and they're actually 10th in run defense DVOA. So it, you could even say it's a negative matchup for Todd Gurley. Uh, he's kind of matchup, matchup proof because he does so much in the passing game. He get, just has so much volume overall. But it's not as strong of a matchup as people think. So I, I think I'll say for now I'll be almost entirely, if not completely, fading the Rams for this week. Uh, but I don't really like the Titans side of the game either. Mariota's been awful this year, and it seems like they're just running the ball way more recently. I don't know. They just don't trust Mariota to throw. Their season is kind of over. They have the slimmest of slim playoff chances remaining, but they they don't seem to want to let Mariota throw that much, and I kind of don't blame them just because he's been so bad. So this could pretty easily be just a low-scoring game and probably just makes sense to fade both sides. Yeah, I would say for a cash game, I think Gurley makes sense to pay up for. For GPPs, I'll probably go elsewhere. Uh, next game on the slate, uh, another pretty shitty, uninteresting game. Uh, the Denver Broncos, the Washington Redskins. I think that both defenses are in play. Beyond that, uh, is there any info from Vegas that indicate otherwise, Matt? Well, the info from Vegas definitely indicates that you should look to defense because the totals dropped from 42 down to 40 and a half with the public kind of leaning towards the over. Definite sharp money on the under. Uh, the Redskins open as four-point favorites. It's now three and a half. Not much line movement to indicate that one side is better than the other. I think these are two just below-average offenses who do have a couple good receivers. Jamison Crowder's had some big games recently. Demarius Thomas has had some big games this year. But the defenses are good, and there are definitely better spots to target. So I think both of these defenses are in play. But yeah, this is a, this is a fade game for sure. All right. Uh, another potential... Defense to play in most weeks. Jacksonville Jaguars, the San Francisco 49ers. I will not be on the Jaguars defense this week. They are still the most expensive defense on the slate. And Jimmy Garoppolo looks really good as the starting quarterback for the 49ers. Actually, I'm pretty sure they've won every start he's made. Is that correct? Um, I think you're right. They've played three games. I think it's two games with him. They beat the Texans and the Titans. I think those are the two games. He, uh, he came in late in the week before that. So, yeah, they're 2-0 and with Garoppolo. Okay, so then we have, what is the status of Leonard Fournette this week? So Fournette is practicing. He sat out last week. I think that Fournette does make sense as a running back play. Uh, actually, I don't know, 7500 I think is a little expensive for Fournette because I'm going to assume that they try to limit his workload a little bit going into the playoffs. So I'm going to rescind that and say I don't really like Fournette for this game and that I'd rather use LaShawn McCoy or Ezekiel Elliott. And then uh, what are the passes? I mean, Blake Worlds at 6,500. That's way too expensive for me. Uh, Keenan Cole at 4,700. The Jaguars are dealing with a lot of wide receiver injuries. And if you look at the last couple weeks for Keenan Cole, seven catches for 186 yards in a touchdown the week before, three catches for 99 yards in a touchdown. So I actually think that the price for Keenan Cole at 4,700 makes him a usable play. Yeah, I think he'll be really high-owned, though, after the monster game that he just had. I think he had 200 yards last week, uh, and that was at a $3,400 or so price tag. I might just be 
Uh, yeah, thirty seven hundred. So I might just be off call for ownership reasons. But there's also this is the, this is the game with the most line movement in terms of sharp money for the week by far. Uh, the Jaguars open as five and a half point favorites. Most of the public is betting on Jacksonville, and the line has still gone down to four, and looks like it's going to be going lower. I think the Niners are just a better team than people realize now with Garoppolo at quarterback. Their offense hasn't looked terrible in recent weeks. So yeah, I'm, I'm certainly off Jacksonville's defense this week. We've already mentioned a couple that I think have maybe not higher expected output, but certainly better for their prices. Uh, my favorite defense we haven't even gotten to yet. And then for the Jaguars passing game, it's just Bortles cost so much. So maybe you could use Keenan Cole. I am a little scared by ownership there. Um, but I don't think that that sharp money will have me using the Niners either. I think Carlos Hyde could make some sense at 5,000. The Jaguars are not nearly as good against the run as they are against the pass. They've gotten better against the run since they got Marcel Darius from the Bills, but they're still 27th in run DVOA. Maybe they're an average run defense. They're not a great run defense. So if there's anyone from the Niners to use, it's Carlos Hyde. Uh, I would think, though, that for the most part, I'm just going with no one from this game at all. Yeah, I am uh, not going to be using Carlos Hyde. Uh, I, I will have some Keenan Cole. I just think he's cheap and he's getting enough targets where it makes sense. And the other thing also is that Marquise Lee is questionable to play. Alan Hearns is questionable to play. So that, that's going to be more targets for Keenan Cole. Like, somebody's going to score points for the Jaguars. Maybe, maybe. So, or the Niners' defense is a good play. Maybe that's the route to go. I don't think that either. I don't either. <laughs> All right, next game on the slate, the Giants at the Cardinals. Boy, this is a tough one to get a read on. There's just two shitty teams playing each other. So, Matt, what's the Vegas info here? Okay, the public likes the Giants. This hasn't happened in quite a while. The Giants opened as four-and-a-half-point underdogs, and now they're at three-and-a-half. So there's a bias against the Cardinals. Maybe it's a bias towards the Giants' offense because they looked pretty good against the Eagles last week. The uh, Cardinals' defense actually in DVOA is better than the Eagles' defense. Uh, maybe they weren't going into last week, but after the good offensive game by the Giants, Arizona is now fifth and Philly is sixth. And this is also a road game. And I think we can kind of just call it a fluke that Eli Manning was that good against Philly. Eli Manning just usually isn't good against anyone. The Cardinals are 10th in DVOA against the pass, third against the run. They are one of the strongest defenses in football. I think they weren't playing that well at the beginning of the season, but they've gotten a lot better recently. So I, this is my favorite defense spot for sure. The Cardinals only cost 3000 And yeah, Eli Manning is certainly susceptible to turning the ball over or taking sacks or whatever. The Giants are completely out of playoff contention. So it's possible Sterling Shepard and Evan Ingram have big games again. And I guess Tavares King also. But there's a lot of value in that price for a defense. I think you could argue that Arizona's defense has more expected output than Jacksonville does this week in an easier matchup. And they're a worse defense, but they're really not that much worse. They're still in the top five. Um, so, yeah, obviously no interest in the Giants side of the game because the sharp money does like Arizona and their defense a lot. Yeah, I'm fine with the Cardinals' defense this week. Um, I don't know if I like them better than, say, the Redskins or the Broncos, but I think they're in the mix with me, and I'm definitely going to have some exposure to them. Well, so if last... you're going to, well, before we get to the last game, we do have to mention okay. this Cardinals running back situation that we were trying to figure out before we started because um, who is the running back? Kerwin Williams got hurt for them last week, and he may not play. So the guys we're looking at are Elijah Penny and DJ Foster, who are 3,000 and 3,400 respectively. Uh, I feel like one of those two guys would have to be worth using, right, if Kerwin Williams doesn't play? 
Yeah, I would think that it's DJ Foster. Uh, looks like he ended up playing most of the snaps after Crowan Williams got hurt. Or, no, it was, was it Penny? Penny had 10, 10 carries in the okay, second so, half. Okay, so yeah, never mind. It was Penny was the one. Penny had 10 carries for 45 yards after Crowan Williams got hurt. All the way down at 3,000. You just don't have to do a lot to pay off your salary. So I think that Penny is in play if Crowan Williams isn't able to play in. Williams didn't practice on Wednesday, so it seems like there's a decent possibility of him sitting out on Sunday. Yeah, and the Giants' defense is still really bad. Even in a game they won, they gave up 29 points to the Eagles. Or is it 34 points? Yeah, they lost. They also, they also didn't win. They lost. Yeah, I thought they won 34-29 to when I was mentioning it earlier. Yeah, they lost 34-29. to uh, Their defense did not play well. I guess their offense just played well. But the Giants are still 29th in defensive DVOA, and they're bad against both the pass and the run. And it's a good matchup for the Cardinals. Uh, I'll just throw Drew Stanton out there because I think he could be worth considering at 4,500. The issue, the reason I probably won't end up using him is because Larry Fitzgerald is expensive at 6,800. So the correlation there is not as cheap as it otherwise would be. But to have a min-priced quarterback at home against the Giants, it almost doesn't matter who it is. But I guess it kind of still matters who it is. Okay, so... Last game of the slate, and this is my favorite game of the week. It's Matt's favorite game of the week. The Seattle Seahawks at the Dallas Cowboys. The Seahawks defense not nearly as good as most people think of it as. They just have a ton of injuries right now. So they're a very targetable defense. And then, obviously, Dallas's defense has just been abysmal for the entire season. They are at uh, 23rd in DVOA, 20th against the pass, 23rd against the run. And the Seahawks defense is actually all the way down to 13th in DVOA, 13th against the pass, 12th against the run. So even as the, the their defense as a whole this year, it's still about an average defense, 13th, so middle of the road. And they're just much worse now with all their injuries right now. So both sides of this game, definitely usable. Uh, what is the over-under for this game? Is it one of the higher ones of the slate? Yeah, it is one of the higher ones. It's at 47, 47 and a half right now. The only ones that are higher than that, I think it's just the Saints-Falcons game. And then the New England-Buffalo game has the same 47 number also. So it's tied for the second highest over-under on the slate. And I think it could be kind of a low-owned spot because Ezekiel Elliott hasn't played in a while. People might have just forgotten about him. And Russell Wilson is coming off maybe his worst game of his career, but... You can really just blame the conditions there. It was a terrible weather game. And the Seahawks, for because just they had bad results in that game, they've been priced down a lot, and it doesn't seem justified. The conditions were bad, and the DraftKings algorithm just isn't adequately assessing the scenario that they were in. So Seattle's underpriced, and then I think this could just be a low-owned game anyway. Yeah, I definitely like uh, Russell Wilson, Mike Davis, Doug Baldwin, I think are all good plays from the Cowboys' side of the game. Ezekiel Elliott's back. And I think something that's a little underrated about Ezekiel Elliott coming back is that he's taken so much time off that he's really fresh right now. And there's so many injuries that teams are dealing with this time of year. I think it's a really big benefit for Elliott to be 100% healthy going into this game. No bumps or bruises. I think that he's going to have a huge workload for this game. He's my favorite running back on the slate. So Dak Prescott's in play. Ezekiel Elliott's in play. Des Bryant's in play at 6,000. Very stackable game. Yeah, there's a couple more guys to mention. Jimmy Graham has been priced down to 4,700, which I want to say is the cheapest he's been all year. Uh, Paul Richardson is pretty reasonably priced at 4,300. And Tyler Lockett's at 3,900. 
Um, there's no other wide receiver I'd probably want to use from Dallas, but Jason Witten at 4,000. I think he's in play. There are a lot of tight ends priced similarly that might have better matchups. I think Graham is a better play than Witten anyway. But I don't know. Witten warrants some consideration, but it's it's mostly going to be Prescott, Elliott, Bryant, and then Wilson. I think, yeah, Mike Davis for a cheap running back, and then Baldwin, Graham. And I think I probably prefer Richardson to Tyler Lockett. He's been getting more of the target share as a, as a secondary or third receiver option. All right, so I don't have anything else to add for this slate. That is going to wrap it up. You can follow me on Twitter at GArenbergDFS. Matt's Twitter handle is at PreachingSense. We'll be back tomorrow with a basketball podcast.